0: Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Why do you say, Jacob, and declare Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My God ignores my predicament. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Youths will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly upon wings like eagles, they will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. May God a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. Good morning. My name is Maggie Dunaway. I'm the pastor of Congregational Care here at Asbury, and I serve on our pastoral team. And I am so honored today uh, to be bringing you a word, especially to our confirmants. I want to tell you this morning about three men who were hiking. They were hiking through a forest when they came upon this large, raging, violent river. Well, they needed to get to the other side. So the very first man, he started praying. He said, God, please, please give me the strength to cross the river. God listened. Miraculously, the man had big arms and strong legs, and he was able to swim across in about two hours, even though he almost drowned twice. Well, After witnessing... What happened to the first guy, the second man, he then began to pray to God. God, please give me not only the strength, but also the tools to cross the river. God listened. He gave the man a rowboat, strong arms, and strong legs. So he was able to row across the river in about an hour, only almost capsizing one time. Seeing what happened to the first two men, the third man immediately began to pray to God, 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 please give me not only the strength, the tools, but also give me the intelligence to cross this river. Well, miraculously, God listened, and poof, the man was turned into a woman. She checked the map, she hiked 100 yards upstream, and she walked across the bridge, Today, we're talking about hiking upstream. No, really. (laughs) We're talking about walking, but I just really wanted to tell that joke, so there you go. We're kicking off a four-week sermon series today called Becoming Resilient. Before you get the wrong idea, this is not a self-help seminar about how to just bounce right back after a rough time. I'd like to add a tagline to this series. Becoming resilient, words God gives us to live by. We're going to look at four powerful words used in the Hebrew language of Old Testament scripture, and these words can open our eyes to the abundant grace of God, even against the messiness of the backdrop of life. Walk, hope, redeem, and peace. The word "walk" is halach in Hebrew. I didn't even get it as well as Michael. You let me try it again. Confirmans, if you need to clear your throat this morning, feel free. Halach. Kind of, I think something actually might have come out then. Halach means to go, to walk. It's used over 1,350 times all throughout Scripture in some form or another. In the Hebrew language, it's not just a verb. To Jewish people, especially in the Torah and other books of the Hebrew Bible, it's formational. It begins in Scripture, and so it be, since it begins in Scripture... It is a way of life for them. It does a couple of things. It's used to describe one's relationship with God. It begins with Abram and Sarah who follow Yahweh's command in Genesis. To go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Go, here is walk. halak. Abram, then Abraham, walks many, many miles in his dusty sandals. In Exodus, God walks before Israel in a pillar of a cloud. And in Deuteronomy, Moses promises that God walks before you. He will not release you, nor will he abandon you. Saintly Enoch is described as the one who walked with God. These joint journeys suggest a close, intimate relationship marked by obedience and faithfulness, a relationship that is not one sided but that is mutual. Even in the Psalms we find walking. The blessedness of those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but delight in God's law and meditate on it day and night. The psalmist pleads with God, show me your path that I might walk in your truth. This is a deliberate and intentional pursuit of Yahweh and his word and his ways. The prophets, too, often used walking as a metaphor for God's expectations of his people. Micah 6, 8 says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? Here, walking humbly with God is to live out justice and kindness in our daily lives, to reflect the very character of God The people of Israel were expected to walk to Jerusalem on pilgrimage three times annually. And Moses famously teaches them to speak of their love for God twice each day in the Shema. When you sit in your homes and when you walk on the day, on the way, show your love to God. I read a fascinating teaching which punctuates this idea. In Exodus, Scripture says that the words and the letters of the tablets of the Ten Commandments given to Moses at Sinai were actually carved all the way through the stone. So naturally, the words should be backward if you saw them from the back of the tablets. God, however, performed a miracle by which the carved words could be read from either side. Now, why would God do that? Why perform this miracle? What's the message? Rabbi S.R. Hirsch explains that the message of this miracle was to teach that a Jew needs to act as a Jew no matter which way he turns. Whether at the synagogue, at work, or, at the fa- or with the family, or wherever they are, Jewish people are to halach, to walk with the Torah. Ultimately, the Torah refers to the fulfillment of God's commands as walking with his statutes. It's a way of living with God in relationship. The section that Lauren read today from Isaiah sounds a little bit different Than those moments in scripture. It's not a command, it's poetry. In fact, it's often preached from a pastoral care standpoint as encouragement, but it's really so much more. The book of Isaiah was actually likely written by at least three different prophets, one of them who was actually Isaiah. But the passage that we're looking at today comes from what scholars typically refer to as Second Isaiah, and so likely one of the other prophets. It's dated, we think, around 540 BCE, which would be 45 roughly years after Jerusalem and Judah were defeated by the Babylonian Empire. Many Israelites then have been deported to Babylon. To say that the people have been through a lot of pain and suffering would be an understatement, a vast one. In this state of exile and fragmentation, they're starting to doubt. They're starting to wonder. Maybe there's a better God out there. Is our God really still in charge if this is what's happening to us? The oracles here seek to assure Israel, to give them comfort that the Lord has compassion for them, that God is still Lord of heavens and earth despite death, defeat, now exile. It's a beautiful narrative. It begins with visions of God's greatness. He is the one who has measured the waters in the palm of his hand who scooped the earth's dust up in a measuring cup and weighed the mountains on a scale. He goes on to compare all the nations to little specks of dust and its inhabitants, that would be us, to mere grasshoppers or locusts. Finally, he asks the rhetorical questions. Why, Israel? Why do you say that I don't care? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The answer, the Lord is everlasting God, creator to the ends of the earth. Only through God will you walk and not be weary. But Maggie, you say, first off, uh, last we checked, we're not Jewish. Secondly, we're also not exiled, so how does this even apply to us, not directed to us? True, but Jesus was a Jew. He was living with the Torah. And he clearly states, I have come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. The history of the Savior of the world is bound up in all Scripture, and the God of the Jews is the same God of the Gentiles. So I think when God says, I will renew their strength, so they will fly up on wings like eagles, so they will run and not be tired, so they will walk and not be weary, it can speak to us too. And if you need further proof that walking is truly a spiritual practice in both a physical and metaphysical way, consider the journey of of Christ, how he taught and healed the spread of the gospel by Paul and others, always deliberate, always walking. In New Testament scripture, believers, that's us, are encouraged to walk in step with God by faith, not by sight, as led by the Holy Spirit. In newness of life, to please God, to fulfill our Christian calling. As to the fact that we're not exiles, this is true. We're pretty comfortable in our zip code, 35242, maybe 35243. But I don't know about you, but the words that Isaiah uses to describe humans then are still pretty accurate today, tired, exhausted, weary, stumbling as we walk through life. Just as Michael said, between jobs and bills and activities, and of course, staring at the phone for three hours a day, looking at all the ways that we aren't, fill in the blank, the things that we don't have, the places that we haven't been, These adjectives pretty well sum it up. And beyond the daily struggles that often wear us down are those big moments that completely shift our world. Every person here has them or will have them. I've heard them referred to as interruptions or ruptures. And I think that's fitting because these moments There is always a marked before the event and an after the event. Sometimes there are individual interruptions. Before you got married and after. Before you had a baby and after. Before someone you love dearly dies and then after. Before you receive a diagnosis and then after before you were divorced, and after. Sometimes those moments are corporate. They're felt not only by just one person, but by the whole community, sometimes even the whole world. Before a war, and after. Before a tornado that hits in the middle of spring break, and after. Before a pandemic, and after. Before a shooting, and after before a denomination divides and then after and today we're talking about how walking with God can actually make us more resilient in all these afters and ruptures Does having a faith in God, does that mean it just helps you sort of bounce back like you're a rubber band better than ever before, stronger than ever before? No. Perhaps I'll just just get knocked up, down. (laughs) I just said knocked. (laughs) That failed. Y'all, I had the best 90s reference. All right, I'll just say it and see if anybody knows it. So do I just get knocked? I can't even say it. Do I just get knocked down, but I get up again, and you're never going to keep me down? Who knows it? It was going to be so good. Jim gave it to me. And obviously, it's physically impossible for that first thing to happen. So anyway, (laughs) ultimately... You are never the same in those moments after. I was actually talking to Michael last week about the sermon, and I liked what he said about these moments, that these interruptions hopefully cause us to stop, to pause, to maybe think about what truly brings meaning to our lives. God. Family, friends, love. We can experience God's grace and continue to walk even though we're changed, even though we won't be just like we were before with God. So how do we do it? Well, walking with God requires a pretty big level of trust and reliance on him which can help build resistance. Trusting God can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes it's becoming aware of our fears and how we're reacting to those and turning to God to release them, even if we have to let go of them each and every day. Maybe it helps us realize we need some help, counseling, something to work on and process daily struggles and those before and after kinds of events. Whatever the case, trust and reliance on God requires that we be vulnerable, that we be open to what we're struggling with. Walking with God also helps make us aware of our purpose and meaning that helps sustain us in times that are really challenging. When we have a clear sense of our calling and mission as believers, we can step outside of our own issues, even if it's just temporarily, and find purpose in helping others, in common love of humankind. The Confirmands learned about the three rules this weekend that live this out. Do good. Do no harm. Stay in love with God. Finally, walking with God means not walking alone, but with others. We're part of a community. We can encourage, support, and love one another. And maybe the more difficult thing is that we we should be the ones to reach out if we are hurting and need that community. And I love that our Comfort spent not only this weekend together, but they'll spend another weekend together in the spring, and they'll walk together throughout the year. They're building that community and friendship to remind them that they're never alone. Sometimes walking forward into a newly created future that we just can't yet imagine but is on the horizon is difficult. It requires strength beyond what we have, but God keeps going despite us, despite despite our weariness. He keeps going with this continual creative work, with its mysterious life-giving power for tired and weary people. The God of Israel is the everlasting God and the creator of the ends of the earth. The same God who sent his son to walk and ultimately walk to death with us to give us a different kind of life. Resiliency is continuing to believe in that hope, the hope of our Savior. As the band comes forward, I want to read... Uh, One of my favorite blessings, it's by an author, Kate Bowler, who I love. She's a church historian lady, sort of theology person. And she writes blessings for everyday life that I think are really beautiful. This is a blessing for when the road is long. God, I could not have imagined that this road could be so long, so hard, so daunting here I am, worn out body and soul. Blessed are we, the weary, who must set aside what we are carrying and begin to feel only the weight of our own being. And it is enough for now. Let our shoulders sink from around our ears. Our breath grow longer and deeper taking just that moment to notice the way our diaphragm rises and falls without us even having to tell it to. Blessed are we who cannot go on, not like this, but stand and look and ask, is there a better path? Blessed are we at the point of utter stillness that becomes an empty space for that voice to echo and build and resound and be made whole. And how blessed are we who are astonished to find out that God's strength begins at that very point when ours runs out. Amen us stand now together and praise God as we enter a time of worship through giving.